welcome to Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. Zandra Hawes is a contemplative psychotherapist and psychic medium on a mission to help you connect with your highest self. She is the creator of Soul Essence Wellness Center, an online energy medicine school where she helps others tap into their intuition, develop a deeper sense of embodied trust, and exist from a place of spiritfulness. Zandra weaves psychology, spirituality, and energy healing into all facets of her work to help people heal heal their mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Check out Zandra's free podcast, available on all major streaming platforms and YouTube videos under Soul Essence Wellness Center. Or check out her website for more information on working with her at soulessencewellnesscenter.com. So Zandra, it's so exciting to have you on here. How are you? You're calling from, uh, we're talking today from Boulder, right? I am. I'm so happy to be here to be able to talk with you. It's, it's a really amazing thing to be able to talk with people that are bringing humanity into the business world in so many ways. Right. And I'm going to say the same thing about you. So of course, you know, as a fellow therapist, we're like, therapist, therapist, yeah, it's always like (laughs) one of my favorite people to talk to. I was like, you get it, you get it, you get me, right? So, so I have lots of gifts and talents, but I am not a psychic medium and I have to like dig into this a little bit more. So bringing the psychic medium space into therapy. So first and foremost, I want to know when you figured out you were a psychic medium, like how did this whole thing come together? And also a little bit about your background into why did you become a therapist? I think sometimes our therapy stories are kind of like, they're pretty interesting, right? Right. I mean, there's very few therapists that I know that are like, yeah, my life went so perfect. So I decided to help (laughs) other people have the same perfect life. (laughs) Not really like the wounded wounded healer story for sure. Yeah, that's such a good question. In my mind, I was like, how do you know you're not psychic? (laughs) Love um, it. Great question. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's so interesting because I don't, and I don't know if this is a technical term, but there's a, from working with people, I I have this thing called the, the spectrum of sensitivity. And it's like, there are so many people that identify as sensitive and empathic. And both of those are actually the ground for intuition and for psychic abilities. So if you feel sensitive or empathic, there's ways to open those up into being more intuitive and being psychic. And that's really what happened for me. I was one of those kiddos that would, you know, in third grade sit next to, you know, someone at a, you know, in my classroom and they would get like an F on their math test. And I could just, it would ruin my whole day because I could feel so intensely how disappointed and upset. I could almost hear people's thoughts, how they'd be talking down to themselves. And I was just, I had to apologize to everyone. Whenever something was difficult in someone's life, I just, went to them immediately and was like, how do I help you? How do I solve solve this really? And it drove me nuts because I didn't really understand that I wasn't at fault for those things because I could feel the energy so strongly. It was so hard that I ended up fixing people or, you know, I can't really fix people, but I ended up trying to over help people for a big portion of my life. And so that's sort of where I started in terms of sensitivity and empathy. And then as I got older and really started doing a lot of healing and energetic work, I started being able to differentiate what was my energy and what was other people's. And when you get more in neutrality, you can start looking at things without seeing with your 
kind of projections or your pictures and things. And so when you become more neutral and you become more mindful and compassionate, you start actually opening up your intuitive and psychic abilities. And there's obviously way higher ways that you kind of learn how to do that, but that's sort of where the core came from. I just thought I was super sensitive and not meant for this world really, really early on. And so it took couple decades actually of learning and studying lots of different healing traditions from really teachers all over the world for me to actually go, whoa, you know, my sensitivity is actually a huge gift and how many other people struggle with that. So hence where I've kind of come into this work, but that's where I started really. Oh, I love that. You know, there's, there's already so many people I have in mind where I'm like, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to share it with them. (laughs) Because I think one of the greatest gifts that we can share is that we're not alone. Yeah. Right. So, oops, I feel things a little bit too much, or I'm a little hypersensitive to light sounds and noises or people's energy really kind of, but you know, I, I, I tend to hang out by myself because I get overwhelmed or I really like to be with other people, but then I need like days alone and so how do you kind of explain sensitivity? Maybe you could give our listeners like, cause it, cause it, you may have kind of piqued their interest of like, okay, I've, I've felt that way. I've, I've definitely had those thoughts before, but I don't know really what she's talking about. So maybe we could go in a little bit more depth there. Totally. And I think, and I think it's really up to sort of the person too, because we all, how do I say this? Like we all take in stimulus from around us in different ways, right? And so when I think of someone who is sensitive, sensitivity, like just like you were saying, being sensitive in the body might be like, wow, it's really hard for me to be in crowds, right? Or it's really, really hard when the lights are like this. Or for some reason, you know, when I go to concerts, I have to have earplugs in my ear, even if I'm in the last row. There's just this sense that your five senses, the information or the stimuli that you're getting just can feel in a way more aggressive to the body. It feels louder. It feels more impactful. It's it's almost like you're more permeable. It's almost like the sensations that are happening in the body, either your ability to take them in is turned up or you don't really have a sense of being able to feel protected. There's a lot of energy courses that talk about protection and it's because it helps people feel more powerful that they actually get to choose how much energy comes into their space. So usually people that are sensitive are sensitive more on like a kind of physiological sort of level. And then folks that are empathic tend to be folks that also are sensitive in different ways, but they really, it's so emotion sort of based. I feel like my empaths, if I could paint you a picture, are the people where it's almost like they walk into a room if they were at, you know, say a Christmas party and they don't know half the people there and they immediately can kind of sense in and be like, oh, wow, the person in the red shirt is really mad about something. And you might be able to kind of like figure that out maybe by their facial expression, you know, so there's, there's context clues sometimes, but it's almost like you feel what they're feeling. You're like, wow, they're really upset. And it's starting to actually impact me. I'm feeling not centered in my space because I'm so impacted by this person's energy or what's happening for them. I don't feel like I can separate myself from it. So it's like empaths are the people that almost kind of with a spoon reach out and it's like they taste a little bit of what people are going through in the room, sometimes without even realizing it. And then they're trying to fix or heal from this really disempowered place because they feel it so intensely that they're like, I have to fix this so that I'm not uncomfortable. Cause not only do I feel my discomfort, I feel this person's discomfort and now I'm trying to heal both of us. And that's definitely not going to work. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of the, the empathy thing and empathy can also turn into, 
you know, to, to put a big word out there, undercover codependency. So many of my empaths, they, they feel so much and they turn into the healers and they get really validated for that. And so they end up seeking relationships or partners that really need them and really validate, oh, people really need me. And I love feeling needed. I'm validated by that. So I'm going to constantly pick relationships where I have, my empathy has to be in overdrive, but then usually over time, resentment grows because that person, you've set up a dynamic where that person isn't meeting you with the same level of attunement as well. So usually my empaths kind of struggle in those areas and sensitive people might just be kind of on a, on a body level sensitive, but they might not actually um, kind of like align with what other people are sensing or feeling. So those are kind of like the, if we were on a spectrum of sensitivity, empathy, intuition, and psychic, those are kind of the two that I feel like live a little bit more in the body, more in like the stomach, more in the kind of the emotional realm versus your, you know, intuition usually is when people say, oh, I have a gut feeling, or it's like, oh, I just know I shouldn't do this. And there's nothing that could tell you why you shouldn't get in your car exactly at nine o'clock, or you just feel like you need to take a left-hand turn on the road, even though you always go straight, right? And then you find out there was an accident and you didn't know. Like intuition is sort of this knowing without any scientific proof why you should do something or why you already know something, whether that's past, present, or future. And then psychic is a way to look at it, but with even more neutrality where it's, you're not being impacted in the body so much. It's like, I see something, but I'm able to really neutralize my emotional attachment or story to it. A lot of times intuition comes with that still because of the gut feeling and things like that. Does that kind of make sense a little bit, a little bit of definitions or. Yeah, yeah. I think that's wonderful. And I mean, honestly, when we go the long way, I think it, it really kind of helps peak and remember and stir stuff up and, and really look at like, okay, you know, I, I can see this in myself. I can see that in myself. And mm-hmm. so when we're really kind of talking about crossing the two, right, the integrative path mm-hmm. of energy medicine with also the psychology, so mm-hmm. the intersection between business psychology, spirituality, and energy healing, yeah. how, do you, how do you align and combine all of these to work together? <laughs> you just use duct tape. No, I'm just kidding. I think, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Well, I think at least for me, it's like, I, the reason I sort of combine them and I love the intersection of all of them is because I spent, you know, I have a couple graduate degrees and one was studying the intersection between Eastern and Western medicine. I was like, what is, what is this overlap here as mindfulness and awareness and kind of going more inward, right? Really appreciating the inward journey and what that means. How do we really look at that on like a medical level? And then that really brought me to Buddhism and Buddhist philosophy. So contemplative psychotherapy was where I started studying psychology, but how do we see psychology from the Buddhist perspective, which is all about bringing present time awareness and mindfulness into everyday being so that there's this joyous sense of um, like goodness that you can always feel in yourself that you know is always there. And then I started studying different energy um, healing traditions from different shamanic practitioners, some in Ireland, some in South America, some in things like that, um, and understanding how their overlap of you know, in a shamanic tradition, when a traumatic experience happens, they actually talk about a part of your energy, a part of your soul, they say leaves the body. So a lot of shamanic practitioners will do things called soul retrievals, where they call that piece back versus psychology, they might say a traumatic experience happened and that person dissociated, right? They weren't present in the body. 
right? Or there was almost like a frozen or there's almost like this energy loop in the nervous system that starts happening around a particular experience. And so I started seeing all of these really amazing overlaps. And I was like, how do you make a business where you really see people for who they are? How do you bring this human sense of like the mental health and seeing people from this perspective, but also from a soul perspective and also this really conscious place, at least that I come from where every person I look at, I'm like, wow, like you're actually already healed in so many ways, but it's almost like we have to peel off these layers and these stories and these imprints that you've taken on that actually don't resonate with you anymore in present time. And how do we do that? You know, in a way where we really honor the person and at least for me, building a business has so much to do with my own healing process and how far I can lead people is how much I've healed. And so my business really aligns with my purpose. And I'm so excited that so much, so many businesses that are being built now are based off of other people's awareness and healing work rather than just like, I'm good at this. So I'm going to do this right. Or I could make money off of this. It's like, no, I really love the core of me loves people. And I want to honor people deeply. How do I do that work in myself study and, and all these different traditions, and then really offer this medicine to people that align in that same way, or have had similar experiences or want to take the same path. So I hope that sort of answers your question, how I duct taped all of that together, but I can clarify <laughs> some more too if need be. I can tell you're really good at weaving. That was, that was pretty graceful. <laughs> Quite <Yes>. elegant. <laughs> so, so I, I really couldn't agree more. And, you know, as a fellow therapist, I'm like, well, we have so much in common. We are definitely going to have to talk after this. Um, <laughs> and, and really seeing where that path leads. And I think for so many once you kind of stumble across the idea that things can get better, mm-hmm. it does tend to rabbit hole, right? It's like, and everyone's rabbit hole is a little bit different. It's unique to what they're going through and, and what makes sense to them and what resonates, right? What kind of calls them. I, you know, being magnets, you know, as human magnets, we, we attract and, and things attract to us mm-hmm. that are meant for us. I, I typically feel that way um, quite often. It's like, all right, so how is this meant for me? So when we're really kind of bringing it back to people and purpose and alignment, what can we kind of share with listeners today about their own kind of path, right? About, about the three bodies, their mental, emotional, and spiritual body, obviously physical, but we can kind of leave that one at the side for now, because that's really not the expertise here, but the three in the room, what would you really offer for kind of tapping in? How would I know if I was in alignment? How would I know if my you know, if I'm too sensitive, is there something I could do about that? Are there some clearing techniques or grounding techniques or what would you specifically suggest? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting as you were saying it, and I don't know, you have to forgive me. Sometimes I learn things and I'm like, where did I learn that from? <laughs> so you would have to forget. I think this is a positive sort of maybe psychology sort of background where this is, but, and maybe you resonate with this too, is that sometimes when people are going through things and they're like, how do I balance these parts of myself? How do I know if I'm trying to solve a problem? Is it, is it something stuck in sort of my mental field? Is it their emotional piece? Is this my sort of spiritual or trust or that inner knowing, like what isn't aligning for me or how do I, to use your words, kind of balance all of them out. And a lot of times when I'm sitting with folks, sometimes in psychotherapy, if someone's trying to work on something, I'll sort of have them close their eyes and we check in with what I call the three brains. And we check in on the mental sort of space, literally 
imagining them um, zooming in kind of into the middle of their headspace. And then we have them go into the heart space and into the gut, because for me, those represent, does this make sense? How is my mental body doing up here? How does my emotional, my heart space sort of doing here? And then going into the gut space, it's, do I trust this? Does this feel like something that I'm rooting into? And so um, like, for example, there was someone that was debating about a relationship and they're like, I don't feel aligned and I can't tell if I need to do something in my mental health health area or if it's just a spiritual disconnect. And so I had her close her eyes and say, like, what's the big question here? And she was like, is this relationship going to be supportive to me? And I was like, well, let's ask, is this relationship in your in your highest alignment for what you're wanting in your life? And so I. I had her tune into her sort of brain space and said, and you usually say yes or no statements to kind of see how the body sort of reacts. But I was like, you should go into this relationship. It's in your highest alignment. And then we have her listen and check in and have sensations in the brain area and see if there's certain thoughts or pictures. And then we kind of clear that out and you drop your awareness like a probe down into the heart space. And you say the same thing and the person feels how the heart lights up. And then we have that person drop into kind of the gut space. And that's a way that I sort of check in. A lot of people might say all of that is body, but I think there's different awarenesses and different organs and different parts of the body, the way we run energy. And so that's a way that I usually help people check in because say the heart actually feels really good about having this relationship, right? It's like, okay, I emotionally, I feel emotionally safer. This feels good. I get a good sense of that emotionally. And the gut says, oh, wow, I really trust this. This feels rooted. But the mind something happens up there, there's pictures, or it feels like there's dissonance. It's like, oh, somehow this relationship doesn't make sense. There's a, a brain or a thinking part in the brain that's not on board. So you emotionally feel safe and you trust, or you have a grounded kind of sense of knowing, but uh, it doesn't make sense. So that's a, usually a way if I'm trying to help person figure out what kind of part of themselves is disagreeing, that would be an example. And I think it's really easy for people to do at home, or if you have a partner or your friend, you're like, say this, you come up with a statement and you're like, say this statement or sentence to me, I got to check in on my three brains. And then I can figure out from that place, what kind of healing I need. Is it more of a cognitive sort of reframe or do I need to talk myself through something emotionally? How do I take care of that emotional field? Am I sad? Am I angry? And then if there's trust or safety, right? Or there's pictures around what is my spirit or what is my gut feeling? What, do, what is their inner knowing that I feel like I can't figure out? How do we use art or music to move that energy to have it kind of float up into our awareness? I always think of the stomach as being kind of those intuitive hit kind of place. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. So good. So good. So good. And, you know, bringing <laughs> it back to kind of the business world too. So using that, I think can really help clear up confusion. Because too often, right, it, like you said, two out of three are in alignment or one out of three. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, you know, I think we've all been guilty of kind of ignoring, <laughs> of ignoring the signals that we've gotten or overriding the signals that we've gotten. Um, whether you're aware that you have this kind of intuitive sense and these, these signals and things coming or not, uh, there's almost, I, could, I can ask just about anybody have you ever had an experience where you did the thing that you knew you weren't supposed to do and it turned out badly? And just about every single person's like, yeah. And it's like, when did you know and how did you know, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then we can really start going, mm-hmm. So, and I like to kind of, you know, phrase these as, and maybe have a different approach, but when we don't actually listen, it can create some self-betrayal and totally. it can actually start to lessen our self-trust. 
and the really big importance of creating that trust with self, trust with the body, trust with your, your spiritual centers and your unconscious mind is ultimately at the end of the day, we have to be able to rely on ourselves. And so much of the mental health issues that I see with the fragmentation, dissociation and mental health diagnoses, things like that, spiritual stuff is the loss and sense of trust of self. I don't feel like I can make this decision because I've made bad decisions before. Mm-hmm. I've been in relationships and guess what? They didn't turn out and therefore I took it personally. And instead of saying, oops, I'll listen better next time. Or that was quite the adventure and I learned a lot of stuff anyways, right? Like mm-hmm. it turns into a, oh my gosh, I can't trust myself. What do I do? And so, you know, when we're asking ourselves these three questions um, and consulting our three brains and kind of getting these, these messages, let's say one out of three says no, but the other two say yes. And you kind of want to go for it. You know, what would you kind of suggest there for people to kind of help clear that space and, and help it get into alignment? Yeah, that's a great example. And I love you bringing up the trust piece because that's even right. Like the first step of when you listen to something, how do you really have those experiences where you can document, oh, I listened to myself, right? And I I went ahead with it and I was able to really have that perspective reinforced. A lot of people are working with how do I trust that piece? And so a lot of times, I think in a lot of ways it's it's practice of like, how do I listen to the answer? And I don't think there has to be shame, right? Like I think like, um, like today I was at uh, Whole Foods and I bought like a thing of chocolates. I'm sure, like, I think I had 10 of the chocolates. I'm sure about chocolate number two, my, my stomach was like, yeah, we don't need any more of this. Did I absolutely override that? <laughs> I absolutely did. So uh-huh. it's like in like small ways we can override those things in some way. Cause maybe we're like, I don't care. I just really want it, you know, and I'll deal with the consequences, even if they're not awesome for that kind of instant gratification. But for some of these bigger things, right? Like this person, if we go back to their sort of piece around like, do I go into this sort of relationship piece? If, if someone really feels like they trust going into the relationship and it emotionally feels good, but there's something that, you know, mentally doesn't make sense or they're like, uh, something needs to get figured out here. I would sort of take that even further and say, okay, two thirds of me agrees with this. Do I need to have all three of these pieces as a yes? Do I have to actually say a complete yes to this? Does it turn into a maybe? And what information do I still, what information does my brain need to understand or know? What questions does it have that if it had the answer, I might be a yes. So my big question to some of those would be like, what would it take for my brain to have a yes? So if someone, you know, in the sort of intellectual realm, they're like, oh, this would never work, right? Maybe that person lives um, long distance. So maybe the emotion is excited. The gut trusts it, but the brain is like, I don't even understand how this is going to work because, you know, they travel for business all the time and they live in another state and they're only in Colorado, you know, two weeks. I'm, I'm not a long distance person. It doesn't feel like it's going to make sense. Right. So my question would be, well, what would make it more of a yes, or what conversations need to be had or what for you, um, feels like it doesn't like in that equation, does it not make sense because there's a fear space? Does it not make sense because of the other relationships that you had and what kind of safety or what needs to shift in order for it to be a yes? And can you voice that to the other person? So I feel like there's, unfortunately, sometimes when you get an answer, there's more questions, but I feel like questions become doors. And so 
that's how I would sort of approach it. And then, you know, emotionally, I feel like you can do a lot of the same things, same with more in the gut space as well, but figuring out what space of you doesn't sort of align and then asking questions from that and even deciding, do I need, like you said, all three to align, maybe you don't, or maybe there's just more that you have to go through first in order to get more clear and just giving yourself permission to treat it like an experiment. I'm a big fan of like, sometimes there's so much pressure for things to be a yes or a no. And if I say to myself, can I just treat this like an experiment? Can I just try this for a couple of days? I can always go back to what I was doing because that's, that's the norm. Right. But like, what if I try this for a few days to kind of gather data over drama here, instead of reacting to things I don't actually know, can I really understand where the gaps are um, and give myself a little bit of a break from this, like having to go all in or completely pull myself out of a decision. Oh, that's brilliant. Gathered data over drama. <laughs> in, case, in case that that went over people's head, I am saying that again. Gathered data over drama. That was beautiful. And what a cool way to share. So I'm going to offer a little bit of a challenge here. Um, and I'm sure people have heard of this before, but it's really kind of fun. So really starting to learning um, just really simple stuff, just really, really simple stuff of tapping in, right? So mm-hmm. I'd like you to give, I'd like you to give the listeners like a challenge for each brain. Just mm-hmm. one thing that they can start doing this week so that they can start hearing it. Cause I, I, always, I often feel like half the battle is just getting quiet enough to mm-hmm. hear it. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's there. We all have that voice talking to us all the time. That's like, yeah, you're really going to eat. Like you said, you're really going to eat all that. And then there's this other side that's like, yep, and I'm going to enjoy it. But really, really trying to hear those three brains. So at least you have a little bit more of a decision. So do you have like any like fun stuff that, that we can do for, let's say the head? How can we start hearing the voice in the head? It's a good question. It's, and it's so funny. I'm sure you know this too. It's like we have a voice that's really loud in the head all the time, but we get so used to the accent of it. It's like sensory adaption. We just like operate on that kind of like unconscious level in a way. And so I always kind of, if you're trying to kind of get a sense of what your brain, that voice trying to get clear on that kind of cognitive functioning level. Sometimes I like to kind of close my eyes in the brain space and I put out a bunch of chairs and I'm like, and I imagine, and I say, so who, who's coaching in here? Who, who helps me? You know, and you might hear literally I've done this before where I've closed my eyes. Literally. It's like, you're, you're staring at a movie screen, close your eyes. There's a movie screen. Imagine four chairs on the screen and say, if I were to imagine that there are people or parts of myself that come in to coach me, which there are, sometimes we just aren't aware of that yet. You imagine and say, do I have like a, you know, and this is, true for me. Like, do I have like the angry T-ball coach, the person that comes in, that's way too overactive and aggressive and like judgmental that like kind of comes in and kind of shames things. Do I have more of like the Eeyore voice? It's like, Oh, you can't do that. Eh, That looks too hard. Right. Or do you have the cheerleader person, the Nike, just do it person, right? We have all these different parts of ourselves that are communicating all of the time, depending on our family system. Sometimes we have a parent still in there. Sometimes we have a kiddo in there right? Your dog's really good at sending you psychic messages when it's hungry, trying to manipulate you to do things like, but our our brain space holds all of these different parts of ourselves. And so if you're trying to get clear on like, who's really running the show or who's giving me feedback, it's kind of bringing some play in and getting curious about what kind of characters make up your space so that you can actually understand most of the time our uh, mental sort of space, there's a certain cadence, there's a certain, um, 
like vocabulary that's used, like my highest self that comes in to help me is always soft. They speak really slowly. It's really nice. It doesn't argue with me. It doesn't command me versus my judgmental voice comes in. There is no arguing with it. It's always should, would, could that comes in. Um, and it doesn't ever ask, are you okay? So it's like when you're starting to really get clear on the mental space or trying to play with hearing or turning up that volume, it's seeing what people um, kind of look like in your space or just getting clear, kind of turning the microphone up so you can hear what type of uh, kind of structure or sound or advice that your brain is sort of giving you based off of your experiences. Oh, that is brilliant. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show and and sharing such like vast, deep knowledge. I mean, I think that if you listen to this episode and you didn't get something from it, I mean, I, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I definitely have a page of notes here of like, ooh, ooh fun. I'm going to, I want to play this game and I'm going to tell you the gather data or over drama is like my next favorite thing. You better trademark that or I'm using it. So I give you full so, permission. <laughs> um, thank you. So if my listeners want to know more and they want to find you and they're like, they want to seek a, they want to seek some services that you have or, or see more of what you got going, how can they find you? Absolutely. Well, I have my super long website name, which is soul essence, wellness center.com. And I'm one of the humans that's also on the Facebook and the Instagram just under soul essence center. And then my, I have a podcast as well, has the same exact name, just cut and dry, makes it easy. Soul Essence Wellness Center. And that's on Apple, Spotify, Google, I think all the main platforms. And it just talks about a lot of what we talked about today, that intersection between how do you work with fear from a psychology level versus an energy level and different meditations and things that you can bring in that are kind of trauma informed while also helping you kind of adjust and connect in deeper on a spiritual level. So Soul Essence Wellness Center, same across the board. If you were to Google it, you'll see everything come up that that, that name connects with. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for talking with me. I love connecting with fellow therapists because you know, and we get to, we get to laugh about all the different ways that, that healing is so needed and also getting excited about all the people we get to share the experience with and see grow. So thanks for doing what you do as well. It's, it's big stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it. This has <laughs> been Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Savo, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, Advanced Certified Mediator and Master Practitioner of NLP and Hypnosis. Thank you so much for listening today and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.